Welcome to Sober Stories, a podcast dedicated to the power and change that can come from really, really great storytelling. We believe that stories are a massively transformational medium. When we can see ourselves in someone's story, when we share our own story, that's when the magic happens. Here, we tell stories of folks all across the sober spectrum with hope, honesty, inspiration, and probably a few sparkling water jokes. I'm your host, Beth Bowen, and it's a huge honor to be Chief Story Steward around here. With our guests, we pull back the curtain on the good, the bad, and sometimes the downright ugly of what it looks like to ditch the booze, changing the world one podcast episode at a time. Y'all ready? Hey, Sober Stories family. How are you doing? You hanging in there right now? I know things feel really heavy and hard, and I want you to know I'm right there with you. Know that you have a whole cheerleading squad here at Sober Stories. We're kind of a bunch of weirdos, but we're rooting for you immensely. And hey, I've got something cool to share. Sober Stories celebrated 10,000 downloads after our episode last week. That's a huge milestone for a little operation like ours, and it's all thanks to you. Thank you for every listen, every comment, every Instagram DM telling us what you loved about an episode. If you have a second, could you pause this and go rate and review Sober Stories on Apple Podcasts? Reviews go a long way towards helping us reach more people and partner with brands that keep the doors open on this storytelling. And oh, my friends, do I have a juicy episode for you today. If you enjoyed my conversation with Tawny Laura, consider this one an extension. Shay and I went all in on dating, sex, and sobriety in this interview. If you don't already know Shay Gomez, aka No Booze Babes, let me introduce you to your sober BFF. Shay Gomez is the creator of No Booze Babes, a community that celebrates and supports your beautiful, booze-free life. She launched the page when she was six months sober with the goal of normalizing and glamorizing sobriety and to connect with other like-minded women. She shares her sober stories, day-to-day sober life, and sober dating, and she also co-hosts a podcast with her sister called The Real Sisters of Sobriety. They don't need a strong drink to tell you what they really think. Once you've given today's episode a listen, tag Shay and us at We Are Sober Stories and tell us what your biggest takeaway was. Here we go. All right, Sober Stories family, I'm so excited to welcome Shay Gomez of No Booze Babes to the Sober Stories podcast. Shay, thanks for being here. Yay, thanks for having me. So excited. Finally, we made it happen. It's <laughs> I know, finally. So for those who don't know, Shay is like bi-coastal at this point, bopping around from West Coast to East Coast to West Coast. So I don't know how you are standing upright. I get jet lagged just going like two hours time difference. So I can't even imagine three on a regular basis. Yeah, some coffee, some hydration. You know, we do what we can. No, we're sober, so we're like, oh wait, I have energy. I don't. That's you know, true. Not wasting, not wasting oh. days anymore. <laughs> Can you imagine doing it if you were still drinking, doing this no. travel? <laughs> no, no, no. It'd be miserable. <laughs> miserable. Well, I am so glad you're here and joining us today, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I have been following you since like. The very first No Booze Babes reel that y'all posted, like at the beginning, introducing yourself. So this feels like years in the making. But for those who are not familiar with you, give us the high notes of who you are, where you are, what you do, so that they can know a little bit more about Shay. Sure. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Shay Gomez. I'm the creator of No Booze Babes, which is a community that supports and celebrates your beautiful booze-free life. Um, I launched No Booze Babes when I was six months sober. I initially launched it with my sister, who is also sober, <laughs> um, Sydney. Shout out to her. Um, <laughs> and then she was like, second week, she's like, mm, I 
no, this is not for me. You, you go ahead and do live your dreams. Um, but I was really just looking to create like a safe space, a judgment free zone, a boost free zone, um, Mm. and just a place to like celebrate sobriety and also to connect. Connection is so key and it's so important. And I think for a long time, what held me back from getting sober is that I didn't see a lot of like young women in their twenties, you know, living life without alcohol. Um, and so, you know, one of my goals with No Booze Babes is to just normalize and glamorize sobriety because honestly, mm. I've never felt more beautiful in my own skin. And a mm. lot of that is like the hard work I've had to do to stay sober, to get sober, um, and to really like get in touch with my feelings and no longer numb them. So mm. it's been a beautiful, wild ride. Um, I'm currently in New York City, but as Beth said, I've been back and forth. I'm from California originally, and I am an actress, so I'm a musical theater performer. So I moved to New York after I graduated college. I went to school in Boston, and I moved here. It's always been my dream to be in New York and perform. And so, yeah, I'm about to take off and do two shows this summer. And um, so come along with me. I share a lot of Nobu's Babes about, you know, not only you know, my sober story, but just kind of like the day to day, even, um, Mm. there are little things here and there throughout my life that like spark moments of like gratitude for being sober Mm. and like, wow, like look how far I've come or wow. I can actually go into auditions and not think like, maybe I didn't hit that high note because I had a glass Mm. of wine last night. You know, I really realize now how much alcohol, how much headspace alcohol was taking up in my life Mm. and how, you know, much negativity, honestly, it brought to my life, my career, my relationships, all mm. of the above. So, yeah. can you tell us what roles you're playing this summer? Yes, I haven't. I just signed the contract, but I'm kind of waiting for like, <laughs> the press release to come out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that I'm playing Louise in Gypsy, and then cool. I am in Jersey Boys as well. Honestly, I forget my character's name in Jersey Boys, <laughs> but um, Louise <laughs> has been like a dream role of mine, and that's how I'm starting the summer. Um, and it's with a really awesome team. I still don't know like the full cast and stuff. So it's mm. very still much on like the DL, I guess. But mm. um, yeah, I'm heading out there in a few weeks and I'm excited. I'm, I'm just so grateful to like be back on stage after, yeah. you know, two years of mm. the theater industry really taking a big hit. Yeah. And um, I'm just really, really grateful and excited and nervous and all the things. Yeah. Well, in Colorado in the yeah. summer, what a dream. So beautiful there. Yeah. Very excited for you. So tell us the story of you and alcohol. How did you become a no booze babe? What was your progression to this point? Oh my gosh, where do we begin? (laughs) Well, my relationship with alcohol is, you know, I did not drink till like sophomore year of college. Um, I was a a good girl. Like literally Mm -hmm. in high school, we were like, oh, she's a prude. She's this. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. call me what you want. I don't know what to say, but like, you know, I wasn't like off drinking and partying. I was, you know, trying to get good grades. I was doing theater. I was, you know, focusing on a lot more other than drinking. Um, Mm. I was a rule follower, I guess. And I'm an older sister. I always want to set an example, la la la. So it wasn't until sophomore year. And really, I feel like it was a combination of, I was in a sorority. I, you know, was doing shows and we have like cast parties. Um, I think that's when I like first had my first shot was like 
before mm. a cast party or something. Um, also, my parents got divorced sophomore year of college. So, mm. you know, I was there's probably some numbing of my feelings occurring there. You know, I obviously was in like kind of a stressful major. I was, I got a BFA in musical theater, but you know, mm. at the time my college had a cut program. And so, you know, you would re-audition sophomore year and then be, <sighs> they cut people from our class. It was brutal. <sighs> um, I didn't even brutal. honestly make the connection of like, you know, I think I just kind of started drinking and you're in college and like, you feel like you're yeah. an adult and you are going to these parties. You want to be cool. And so that's kind of where my drinking started. And I think, you know, I, I didn't know I had unhealthy drinking patterns because it looked very similar to the people mm. around me. And yeah, I mean, I just remember like my graduation day, I was so hungover because mm. I was drinking the night before, like with my classmates, but also with like my parents and mm. my parents were like divorced. And I think there were weird dynamics with that. Mm. And, you know, I think the way that we kind of bonded weirdly was like, let's take shots as a family. And I think we were all just trying to ignore the hard yeah. stuff um, yeah. and the fact that it was awkward and all of that. And so, yeah, being hungover on your graduation day, I <laughs> do not recommend. You're stuck in the seats. I was like, where's the nearest bathroom? <laughs> zero stars. Horrible review on Yelp. Um, <laughs> no, it's a no. Uh, and then really, I feel like my heavy drinking was after college. Mm. I went through a breakup with someone I was with for almost five years. So I thought like we were going to. Mm. be together forever. And he comes back into the story later in my life. Mm. But, um, you know, I didn't know how to deal with those feelings. And I was in Boston for the summer. A lot of people after graduating either moved home or moved to their next phase of life. And I mm. was staying on my lease through the end of the summer. And then I moved to New York after. And I think I was just kind of like, I'm heartbroken. Where do I fit in the world? Like, mm -hmm. What do I do? Where do I go? Also moving to New York was super exciting, but you can party till the sun comes up. It is the city that never yeah. sleeps. So mm. I took full advantage of that. And I worked in the service industry. I mean, mm. honestly, there's so many things um, that all just, just, I don't know, it was a bad combination. Um, and so, you know, I worked in the service industry. I was working my butt off all summer to save money. But then, you know, I would go out drinking afterwards and again, go out until the bars would close and then sleep all day and then go back for my shift again. And it just was not a healthy lifestyle. I wasn't treating my body right. I wasn't treating myself right. It was just a bad cycle. So yeah, I think, um, you know, continuing to work in the service industry in New York and I would drink on the job. You know, there was a mm -hmm. job at this really cool I guess I can just say it. it's Soho House, which is like a members only mm. club and a lot of celebrities go there and it's very exclusive. And I loved working there, but you know, people would be like hiding drinks behind the bar or like mm -hmm. we have little mugs, coffee mugs that we'd hide under the espresso machine and we'd like go sip mm. wine and stuff. And, or even like our pre-shift where we're learning about new drinks and they're having us wine taste or what's the cocktail of the week that we're going to try to sell. Mm. Meanwhile, all of us were like, not just taking sips of this, like we were trying yeah. to like chug it before a shift. Like it was just unhealthy. And I think obviously your surroundings affect your drinking as well. And mm. that was definitely true for me. Um, and I was a social drinker. I wasn't like drinking a ton on my own. It was always going out. You know, I wasn't drinking alone. Like I was always drinking with people. And so I just kind of got carried away. And like, I, I'm a fast drinker too. Even now being sober, mm. 
Like I went out the other night and I drank like a Diet Coke, club soda. Like <laughs> I just drank so fast. And mm-hmm. so I turned to my friend. I was like, this is why I can't drink alcohol because I'm drinking. I'm going through this. I'm going to the bathroom a million times because yeah. <laughs> I just drink super fast. And so when I was like out on the dance floor in my early 20s and like I, you know, guzzle down a drink. People would be like, do you need another one? Or, mm. you know, I'd always want my drink refilled and I wasn't counting. I wasn't keeping track. I, and then I just got carried away and I, I blacked out. I would do and say things I would never do sober. I wouldn't remember how I got home. I would like, honestly, sometimes Irish goodbye situations and like <laughs> not have the cab drop me at my apartment. I would have them drop me like a block away at this halal place and mm. get like, total food, walk to CVS, <laughs> get like drumsticks, reset. Like I was just trashing my body. Like, what were you doing, Shay? I'd wake up the next morning with like rice in my bed. Like this was not a healthy lifestyle for many reasons. Like I mm-hmm. just was not treating myself right. And, you know, I kind of recognized like, Hey, this isn't cool. I'm kind of having this anxiety. I don't like not remembering how I got home. I don't like Mm. checking my purse to see if I have all my belongings or saying something rude to someone that I care about um, or like making out with someone that I, I was like the make out queen when I was drinking, Mm. especially to bartenders, which is also (laughs) bad because then they would just get more drinks. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, It was horrible. At the time I was like, I'm living, I'm giving, I'm having (laughs) the best time and thriving. Like I thought that that's what it was like to be thriving in New York city. It's not. And I would do breaks here and there because I started to be like, this is um, not healthy. It's not good. Um, but again, it's so normalized that I was like, mm-hmm. everyone's doing it. It's fine. So I did like dry Januarys, no drink November or whatever. Um, and then I'd be like, oh, good job, Shay. Like you did mm-hmm. it. Now let's drink again. And it just was, I would continue drinking the same way. And so honestly, it wasn't until I got into a relationship with the guy that broke up with me <laughs> right okay. before graduating college. Okay. Mm-hmm. We got back together. Um, he expressed interest in like dating me again. And I did not see that coming. And he moved to New York for me. We got a place together. Mm-hmm. And I think just when you have someone that you care about so much and love, like, you know, instead of going out after work, I would go home to be with him. Mm-hmm. And when I, you know, went to a holiday party and was drinking heavily and would come home late at night and like fall asleep in the shower and he had to jimmy the door open, like Mm. not cool. Like when it's Mm. your drinking is affecting someone else. That's when Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh shit, Mm. I can like treat myself poorly all I want. And I can like stumble home and no one has to know, but me, maybe my roommates at the time back Mm. in the day. But this time it's like with someone that I love and care about. And he never said like, I think you have a drinking problem. Cause again, I was only drinking out. I wasn't like drinking right. a ton at home or anything like that. But I felt horrible. And like, I just feel like I didn't want to lose him. And mm-hmm. so that was like a big wake up call to me. And kind of my final big drinking moment was we went to a wedding of someone that we went to high school with. And I was so anxious and so nervous and so self-conscious. And so even as I was getting ready for the wedding, I was drinking rosé and Mm -hmm. getting ready. And I felt horrible. I felt like my makeup was bad. My hair was bad. I felt not cute. Like, I just was so self-conscious. And, you know, as soon as we got there, the open bar was flowing, you know, even before Mm -hmm. the ceremony. So I was just drinking, drinking, drinking throughout the whole thing. 
And, um, you know, we went to the after party and I later learned that he was like, why don't we go home? And I was like, no, we have to go to the after party. Like, can you believe he doesn't want to go? And like, people were like, oh, like you guys got to go. And, you know, I, I ended up like falling. I was a big faller when I drank too. I ended up calling myself an Uber. Why? (laughs) Like my boyfriend at the time was there. Like, why am I doing this? Um, and then I like went home. I'm sure he was like, where the F are you? Like, I just made bad decisions. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was hysterical, called my mom hysterical. I don't even know why. I guess I was upset mm-hmm. about something. Who even knows? Um, nothing makes sense when you're in that no. state of mind. Mm-mm. I was so hungover. It was horrible. And I just hated myself. I was like, mm-hmm. I hated what I did. I hated that I embarrassed my partner and embarrass myself. I'm like, I don't even. I probably did stuff I don't even remember. And it's just a horrible feeling to wake up the next day and be like, what yeah. did, what happened? And to have to mm. hear it from loved ones that care about you um, mm. is horrible. It's just like, mm-hmm. like just, mm-hmm. and then, you know, for so long, I didn't realize like you are in control of your own life. You can mm. choose to not be doing this and you can yeah. choose to cut out the thing that is making this happen. And that is making you turn into this nightmare. Mm. and make you feel so horrible not only sick but just like horrible like i'm a terrible person i'm a terrible partner i'm a terrible daughter just terrible so after that i was like i'm gonna take a significant break because one month obviously is not enough so i committed to three months and that just like changed things for me and um, Mm. i liked who i was for three months and i wasn't hungover Mm. for three months and i kept extending that break. I was like, Oh, I have a performance. Like I'm going to extend it another week. And Oh, I have something else. And honestly, I kind of had to come to terms with the fact that like, wow, I think this is it. Like, I think I Mm. I can't live my life with alcohol anymore. Like I, I like myself too much without alcohol to put myself through that again. So honestly, it's been almost three years later. And that three month break has turned into Mm. this just sober lifestyle that I'm so proud of. And, you know, Nobu's Babes has been just such, I'm just so grateful for, to connect with people like you Mm. um, and to know that I'm not alone and to see others like me and to be able to like encourage each other and to just, I feel like, we just go through it together. And I think yeah. that's so beautiful to be able to share our stories, share even the day to day, if it's on an Instagram story or mm. share like a triumph or like maybe a trial in our journey. So that was long, but that's me. <laughs> it was it was so good though. I mean, I was writing so many notes because there were so many pieces that spoke to me and I think are, we feel like they're they're fairly like, isolated, but I think there's some really universal themes in that. And and I laughed because I was also a goody two shoes. I was such a good girl. I didn't uh-huh. I drank one time in high school, just like an experimentation. Didn't go well. Yeah. And that was it. And like funny enough, I actually I was not in theater, but I hung out with theater friends. Like my group of friends were all in theater and I was like the one who mm-hmm. wasn't. And like alcohol just like wasn't even on our radar. We were no. too busy. We were doing other things. We were like we were nerds like <laughs> we would like play we would like have like film contests and stuff we were like total nerds but I love it, it's so interesting like when it's just not even part of your worldview and then you get introduced to something like college and have all these stressors and it's really I mean like I cannot even fathom the 
the cut thing for college. Like not only are you cut from this play, like you're cut from college, but, but all of these stressors. Yeah, figure once, out a major. yeah. Excuse me. What? Like you can't do the thing that it's not like I went into psych and they were like, you're cut from psych. Like you don't get to do this. Yeah. So, you know, I, and I hear this kind of like perfect storm of the experience with your family and the exposure and the Greek life and all of these things coming together. And it's so interesting how it'll creep up and we just don't even notice. We don't even notice that this has become the thing that is now the focal point of everything else. Whether or not it is to a point where you're drinking every day, drinking by yourself, it just becomes the the thing that is how you use to celebrate, the thing how you use to connect with other people, the thing you use to deal with family trauma and this experience that you are all going through together. So I feel like that there's so, such universality that word universality in this idea of I'm <laughs> we're just gonna, you're making it a word. We're yeah, we're going with it. it. You know what I mean? That like this idea yeah. that nobody, nobody like means to get in a place where alcohol is not serving them. It's not working because, you know, objectively it's not the most fun to have to give it up or to have to remove mm-hmm. it from your life at first. But there's so many factors at play that are just really all, all not against us. It's not the word I want to use, but like are all part of our eventual relationship with alcohol. And that's why I asked this as an open-ended question because it all matters. Like all of that, that whole story led you to who you are now. And man, I like feel the dagger in the chest of having to wake up hungover the next day and like find out what you did the night before with family and loved ones. And a girlfriend and I used to call that the fear. Like we joke about it, but it's like, oh my God, true fear. So Mm -hmm. what, I mean, you said that you started to like yourself when you had that three month break and I'm curious what that looked like on like a day-to-day level. Like how did that change your experience by removing this one thing? Yeah. I mean, I just feel like I was a better partner um, because I wasn't, you know, coming home from work Hmm. like, uh, or like coming home from going out and being a mess or, you know, sometimes I would go out with him and our friends and he had to like you know, make sure that I wasn't like falling down coming home and like, it's just not a good look. Um, yeah. I just feel like I was more present. Um, cause you know, even if we'd like make dinner together and open a bottle of wine or something like towards the end of that bottle and towards the end of the night, it gets, it would get fuzzy. So sometimes mm. if we'd have these deep conversations, like I would kind of forget some of what was said. I already have a bad mm. memory, which is so silly mm. as an actor because like I have to memorize <laughs> full shows, yeah. but I have a bad memory. So <laughs> that combined with alcohol, not a good mm. mix. And so, you know, sometimes he'd be like, yeah, like what we talked about last night. And meanwhile, I'm like searching in my brain, like, mm. what did we talk about? Because it got fuzzy and that's horrible. That's horrible. Mm. So yeah, just, I could be a better partner. I would show up to work and feel fresh. Like, you know, especially towards the end of when I worked at this restaurant, I like had my break. I was just like showing up to work fresh as the daisy. And like, Hmm. you know, if people went out, they'd be like, Oh God, I'm struggling today. And I wasn't. And it was Hmm. so nice. I feel like I could do my job better and I could be, I was just happier even on bad days, even days when I didn't feel great. Like I wasn't hungover or I wasn't feeling the effects of alcohol. So I was like, well, that's great. That's freaking Hmm. awesome. Um, and also when it came to, you know, 
auditions or, you know, shows that I was in. Mm. What's interesting is I never drank when I was in shows because mm. I took it so seriously. I didn't want to mess up my voice. I didn't want to be dehydrated. I wanted to be present. I wanted to get good rest. So it is interesting that like I knew to like switch it off. Mm. And that's why also the break was like, I can do that. You know, I'm very good at being like, I'm not doing this. But yeah, it's just interesting that in shows, I was like, this is very serious. I'm like, well, my life is a little serious too. Like I should probably like be the best I can be in my life too. But um, anyway, so yeah, I just felt like better at auditions. Um, Mm. Like I kind of said in the intro, you know, sometimes I would go in and if I had a bad audition, I'm like, I'd be like, maybe it was because I had, I drank two nights ago and I'm still having mm. the effects and like, I couldn't hit the note or it wasn't as clear, or maybe I'm dehydrated. You know, I had moments too, where I'd go out drinking and I'd have a voice lesson the next morning. I'm like, I just wasted like however much mm. money I just spent on this lesson yeah. because <laughs> I was not at my best right. and I was dry. And like my vocal cords were like, no, don't do this to us. <laughs> um, so I just feel like in every aspect, like my life was healthier and better and brighter. And yeah, I just feel like the break led to so many breakthroughs. And I called a friend when I decide before I decided to do the break and I had a full breakdown and I was like, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't hmm. alcohol just like, it's just doesn't mix with me. You know, I was just saying all this stuff and he's sober and he was very open about it um, online we went to college together and he re- recommended the book, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. Mm-hmm. And I ordered it immediately on Amazon. And so I read that and that really helped me. And I started kind of exploring like sober Instagram and for a while, like secretly, like not mm-hmm. fully following, like secretly checking in mm-hmm. um, and just being able to see people who were like young women. And I'm like, wow, they have smiles on their faces. Like it doesn't look mm. like their lives have ended. Like mm-hmm. then it made me see like, I I could do this too. Mm. And just, you know, see the possibility. And I just really liked who I was. And I was like, I'm going to keep going. And mm. honestly, it changed my life. That break changed my life. Sober Instagram changed my life. And um, this naked mind <laughs> helps change my life. So um, yeah. Now I know what you're thinking, Beth, what the hey doodle is ashwagandha. If you're like me, you've seen the increase in ingredients like reishi mushrooms and maca root used in the non-alcoholic space, but maybe you don't really know what it is that you're sipping. Well, my friend, here is why you should dig Dissois Aperitifs as much as we do at Sober Story. They're chock full of adaptogens, aka plants and botanicals that help your body respond to stress, anxiety, fatigue, and overall well-being. Like their flavor, Purple Loon, with the relaxing, restorative, and mellow properties of ashwagandha. Or my favorite, Golden Hour, sweetened by lemon balm and its mood-enhancing, libido-boosting, and stress-reducing characteristics. And in this day and age, you know we could all use some help with those stress-reducing characteristics. But in all seriousness, one thing we hope to get out of sip of something boozier is that relaxation and relief. But ethanol always kicks us when we're down on the other side of that hangover. When you're drinking to swap, those nifty adaptogens are doing a great job of actually giving you that relaxation and rejuvenation you crave in an evening nightcap. Try it yourself with code SOBERSTORIES and save 15% off your first purchase at drinkdeswa.com. That's D-R-I-N-K-D-E-S-O-I.com. I like this idea of there doesn't need to be like some big revelation. There doesn't need to be some like earth shattering experience before you quit drinking or after. Just liking yourself better is reason enough to keep doing it. And and I think mm-hmm. 
you know, so many people, myself included, it's like I teetered on sober curiosity for a long time of like, they know I should do this. Let me try. I can get some time under my belt, but then what will people think of me? And then, you know, going back and forth and it's like, it's okay to just decide that your life feels better without it. And like, stop doing the mental gymnastics of like trying to do the calculations of like how you can make this work. Like, it's okay to just decide it doesn't work. And, you know, this, and I I also, um, sober Instagram wasn't really a thing when I first quit drinking, but like now I'm like, this is amazing because what it does is is it just opens doors for people. It gives people the permission Mm -hmm. to see themselves. And what we're doing here is, is opening up different stories so somebody can see themselves in somebody's story, even if they don't resonate Mm -hmm. with mine or they don't resonate with the last person we had on the podcast, like there's going to be somebody here who they resonate with. And it Mm -hmm. changes the calculus once you see somebody like you who is living this city life, who is an actress, who does all of these things. What is the change in your social life been like? What is the change in city life, New York City, the glamour of staying up all night? What does that look like for you now? I mean, it's definitely shifted. But again, when I got sober, I was in a relationship. So, you know, I just want I spent a lot of time with him. I had I have really supportive friends. Um, I didn't really lose like my good friends. I did lose the drinking friends or the friends who the only thing we had in common was going out to drink. Mm. So I think that was it wasn't even hard because I'm like, I don't want to be in those settings. So it's honestly for the best. Um, But the people who have always been like my good friends and like we have just such a solid foundation for our friendship that's not based on drinking. Um, Mm -hmm. They've stayed my best friends have been so supportive. And I still love to go out. I love to be social. I love to go dancing till two, three in the morning. Like, you know, not every day. I'm 30 now. Like (laughs) my body just like wants to rest. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Listen to your body. But (laughs) my friends are so supportive. And like, you know, I am okay having non-alcoholic alternatives. So like, it's been so cool to see, you know, some bars have like non-alcoholic beer or, Mm. you know, other like, zero proof lists. And Mm. and if they don't, you best believe I'm asking and being like, you guys should Mm -hmm. really consider that. Like, because also people can charge like a good amount for a mocktail. Oh yeah. People want to pay for a good beverage, not just like a juice. Right. Um, so I still go out and stuff and I'm, I'm sober dating for the first time too, which Mm. has been new to navigate. And Honestly, amazing. I mean, not amazing. Dating's hard. The apps are <laughs> exhausting, but yeah. it's been amazing because I feel so confident in who I am mm. because I'm sober and I've gone through life sober for now almost three years. And I've gone to therapy and I've been through a lot in the last three mm. years that have helped me just kind of come home to myself. And I feel like mm. sobriety has helped me do that and to get to know myself more. I really feel like I'm discovering new parts of myself all the time. And that's really exciting. And so I feel like with dating, I'm very open about the fact that I don't drink on the apps and Mm. it kind of gets conversations going or, you know, if people don't understand, then they'll just not swipe on me or not match with me. And I, that's not a person I want to be with. So it's really, I feel like it weeds out people that are not for me. Mm -hmm. And I've, I, again, I feel like I've had such cool connections because of it. Either people are like, oh, I don't drink either. And they just don't write it on their profile or, you know, Hey, I, you know, 
it's refreshing to go on a date and to not go out for drinks. Mm. Like, can I take you out? Like, can we go get coffee or go for a walk or whatever? Mm. So it's been really, really nice. Well, the reason I asked Hard that question in the first place is I already knew the answer because I, you know, I follow you on Instagram and I'm yeah. like, Shay is, she like lives the city life, like lives the LA life, lives the New York city life. Yeah. And, and what I love so much about your content is like, you live the same amazing, fun, exciting, adventurous life still mm-hmm. just without alcohol. And, yeah. and, you know, I already knew the answer to your question because, or that question, because I think that that's one of the really important things about what you share is like, you still go dancing. You still go to the cool events. You still do all this stuff. You just don't mm-hmm. do it with alcohol. I, I'm so glad you brought up sober dating because I, I've been so curious about this. I have been, um, I got married like a thousand years ago and I got married even <laughs> before, yeah, at least a thousand years ago, before the dating apps for sure. So I mm-hmm. imagine like there's a lot of just like anxiety around this idea. And I'm so glad you said that you have it on your profile because I've talked to people before and they're like, I just don't know. Like, I want to tell people beforehand that I don't drink. And I'm like, why not? It just like eliminates all of these people who are going to give you a negative face-to-face interaction Mm -hmm. versus like get it over with at the beginning. You've already got a thousand people that you're swiping. Might as well eliminate a couple. So what have been some of the sober dates you've been on? Um, I've been on dinner dates, lunch dates, coffee dates, what other things. I feel like although I'm like sober dating, again, since I've been so back and forth and now I'm about to leave, it's mm. not really it's not really the time to get into something. Like mm-hmm. when I tell people like, oh, I'm actually going to go to California for my birthday and then I'm going to be back here and then I'm going to go to Aspen. I'm sure they're like, okay, well, whenever, yeah. <laughs> when are we going to go on a second date? Um, mm-hmm. But again, like I'm kind of in this, phase of like, I think it's fun to date. And I think I'm like, it's like practice. It's like practice Mm. for the right person that's going to come into Mm -hmm. my life. Um, And it could be someone I go on these dates with or not. But yeah, yeah. So I always suggest to like maybe an activity or now that the weather's good, like, you know, I think people have expressed to me that they feel like a coffee date can feel very like business meeting, like let's Mm. meet for coffee and talk business. I had a really great coffee date with someone. But now that the weather is nice, like I think you could grab a coffee and like walk into through the mm. park or sit on a bench in the park or have a picnic. Um, I'm still kind of navigating, you know, what good dates are. What's mm. I don't know. I'm also down to go meet someone for a drink. And I always just say like, yeah, as long as they have non-alcoholic options, which I mean, they're always going to have a club soda and stuff. But as long as people are kind of, you know, want to work with me, I'm like, yeah. okay, then sure. Well, I feel like there's so many more places, especially in a city like New York and even I'm in Austin. It's like we, we're starting to see better menus. We're starting to see more options. But it's it's so interesting when you take alcohol out of the equation. I feel like we've just gotten so tied up in knots around this idea of like alcohol is the center piece or alcohol is the focal point of mm-hmm. everything we do socially. And it's like, there are actually a thousand different things that we could do that aren't going mm-hmm. to get drinks. We just got to you know, get a little creative here. One of the things I hear you saying kind of more thematically, though, is like you seem really settled in yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would be in the same place if you were still drinking? No, no. And honestly, I, you know, I'm no longer in my relationship, but I don't even know if I would have gone sober if I had been single mm. this whole time. 
Hmm. I think I, you know, having someone who I was like, I don't want to mess this up. I Hmm. see a future with this person. That really was like, and they never said like, you should stop drinking. Like, it was just like, I can't, I can't continue to live this way and to, it's not fair to him or to myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think if I would, had been single all this time, like I probably would still be drinking. And yeah, I'm just so glad I'm not drinking. I'm I mm. would have never known this version of myself, which is like my most authentic self. I would have numbed my feelings. I would have probably not been the best person to go on dates with because you know I remember dating in my early 20s and like yeah, all you do is let's go for a drink. Like that was mm. just the classic thing. That's the go-to. And so, you know, a lot of the time I'd be like, do I like this person? Were they mm. a good kisser? I can't remember. Did I miss a red flag because I was too, I, like, I don't remember or I was blacked out. I would go home with people. Like I, again, going back to being like a good girl, like I don't just go home with people. Like mm. no shame if someone does that. But like, I am very much a person who like, I wish I could be like, oh, yay. Like, I'm just going to go mm-hmm. and like hook up with someone. It's just like, I need trust yeah. with someone before that happens. And when I was drinking, all of mm-hmm. that was out the window. I was just, yeah. I couldn't make good decisions because I wasn't in the my right state of mind. And so I'd wake up in someone's bed and be like, wow, Shay, why? Mm-hmm. Like, this is so not you. If you had not drank on this date, you would never have ended up here. You do you even like this person? Like I, I realized that in my early twenties and stuff. And before I got like back with my ex, who's now again, my ex, (laughs) um, I, a lot, like most of the sex I had was drunk sex because I would never have gone home with these people if I was sober. So that's a new thing too. And I'm very open. I'm nervous to like have sober sex for the first time with someone new because Mm. I was got sober in my last relationship. And so I was able to communicate with my partner and be like, I'm nervous, like to be fully present and be in my body. But that's also Mm. what made it so great um, in the long run. But again, I had, I had someone who I could communicate openly with. And so I am nervous for when that time comes, I'm excited. Like I am sure, you know, but I haven't been with someone else sober. Well, and and I think it's just, it's vulnerable. It's we yes. get so used to disconnecting from our physical bodies mm-hmm. with the use of alcohol. And like you said, moving to a different part of our brain that is not able to stay in the present and stay in like the the experience of what we're experiencing. It's just much more animalistic and it's totally fine doing it anyway. So it's just very vulnerable to be in an experience where you're intimate with somebody and there's nothing numbing it. There's nothing taking the edge off. But, you know, I like what you said about trust and creating like these environments of safety and understanding that about yourself, that it's like a requirement of, of when you will be with somebody in that experience in the future. And now being able to connect the dots between how you wanted to, to act, how you wanted to be able to go on dates and not end up in somebody's bed and like. Now being able to actually act on that, now being able to actually be fully in control of who you sleep with, who you do not, and not just like this like animalistic part of your brain. When you said you're the makeout queen, it made me laugh because 
sorry to my family, but like I, in college, I was totally the makeout queen, like mm-hmm. loved just like be on a dance floor, making out with a stranger. And, yeah. and it was never like, never went anywhere. It was usually somebody it's like when the lights would turn on, I'd be like, Oh, mm, that's, that's not what I would have. <laughs> You'd sober up for a quick second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, what a gift to be able to have that discernment now moving forward and being able to say, no, I'm really intentional about this and I want it to feel good and I want it to feel safe and I want there to be trust. And it's okay for it to be a little bit scary. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I love that you brought the makeout queen back up again because <laughs> sometimes I still, I would love a good makeout, but it's mm-hmm. different when you're not like sloppy and, yeah. you know, you are both on the same level of drunk and you just kind of go for it. Like sometimes I would love like a random makeout, but you're totally. present. You're actually aware. Yeah. So it makes it, it's just, it's not as like hot as you thought it was when you were drinking, which <laughs> I'm sure it was just not hot at all, but you're like, oh, yes, yeah. I'm so yeah. sexy. Um, but now I'm like so aware of myself. I wouldn't just like go in to make yeah. out. You know what I mean? I don't, I yes. just, it doesn't go there. Yeah. And it's so, uh, definitely it's just, a lot less sloppy too. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're <laughs> actually aware of what is going on, which is like, you know, I've had like kisses on dates and whatever, like makeout sessions, little things. Again, I haven't dated that mm. many people, but it's scary. Like I find myself mm. becoming like a young girl again, like getting like butterflies mm. and like being like, am I doing this right? Because like, you know, I was with someone forever. And I haven't been with someone for like over a year. And I was like, do I even remember what I'm doing? Like as silly as that yeah. sounds. But I mean, that's like the beautiful thing too, is like, I am in control. I'm aware. I am choosing. Do I mm. want to kiss this person? Do I not? Do I want to go home with them? Haven't done that. But like, you know, I will, I'm in control yeah. and I won't do something that I regret just because. Well, and it's, you know, it's more focused on like, doing it for the intent of feeling good and feeling pleasure and not just doing it because you're out of control or you yes. feel like you have to, or like, I feel like it shifts the dynamic of, of, and, and even like myself in, in my a thousand year marriage, it's like, there was a period of time where we had never had sober sex either because we met when I was in college. We partied all through our early twenties. We partied through early parenthood and Every scenario, anytime, you know, we would be intimate was after drinks usually. And it was like having to step into that, even in a container that I had already been in for a long time. It's so like suddenly you're like very aware of your body, which I mean, we always are, but it's like, and then it's just like hard to like actually ask for what you want. And and it's, it's all for me, it just like comes down to like vulnerability and how hard that can be, but how good it can be too. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting muscle to flex your your vulnerability muscle. And I think that comes up a lot. I'm so disappointed. Um, Tani, Laura, and Talia Benick and I submitted a panel for South by Southwest all about sober sex and it got denied. And I'm so sad. What? I know. I know. So we're going to pitch it again next year because I think it's oh like gosh. something it's so that needs important. to be. It's so important. And I think it's a barrier for a lot of people to actually change their relationship with alcohol. Cause they're like, I cannot imagine 
being vulnerable with somebody like that and not mm-hmm. having some sort of liquid courage, especially if you're dating, especially if you've been with a partner for mm-hmm. a long time and that has been your only experience. And I mean, you and I know that on the other side, like alcohol does nothing for our sex life. Alcohol serves us in no way in the way we feel in our bodies and the choices we make. And it's just so much better on the other side. Like, drunk so. sex is not even good. Like no. it's just not no. like you're messy. Like I became, I don't even know a wild person. Like I was like saying (laughs) things I would never say. And even like my ex expressed to me, like, I don't like to have sex with you when you're, Mm. when you've been drinking. Cause it's like, Mm -hmm. and it's not even like fully pleasure. It wasn't ever like fully pleasurable for me because like it doles your sense, your senses Mm -hmm. and everything. And now that I'm sober, like it's, you know, and then just having sober sex, like you, you actually feel things like Mm. it's not like it numbs your sensations and I think that's like what's so beautiful and that's what was scary before Mm -hmm. you know thank goodness I was with someone that I loved and trusted so much and I was able to say hey I'm nervous or like hey my sex drive has changed now because I would lean on drinking sometimes to like get me there when Mm. like it was just ridiculous but anyway going (laughs) back to sober sex (laughs) yeah um I think it's so important like I think you know, talking about sex in general is not normal. And I feel like for so long, I was like, am I doing it right? Am I good? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, because Mm -hmm. no one talks about it openly, or we don't get educated about it. And so I've really found now, you know, I'm 30 now, just in my like late 20s, and just getting sober and just connecting Mm. with myself, like, just wanting to learn more. And especially when I think sober sex, it's so important to talk about because it's not And I think it scares Mm -hmm. people, but I also Mm -hmm. think that people are curious and they want to know and they want to be like, wow, like I have those fears too. Or like, Mm. I'm nervous, like, or I haven't stopped drinking because I'm nervous to date when I'm not drinking or like, maybe people won't like me or like, maybe I don't know. So I think it's important and keep, keep pitching that. I know I've been talking to Tawny too about having like a live about it because I just think it's important. I talked about it on Instagram recently because I Mm. had someone ask me the question. How, what is it like, you know, what's it like having like sober sex for the first time? Or what was your experience? And I was like, I haven't had it yet. Now you really know my <laughs> life. Like, I was like, honestly, this is, and I yeah. did a poll. I was like, would you want to talk more about sober sex? hundred yeah. percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. No one put no, because mm-hmm. I mean, the good thing is on Instagram too, people can kind of hide behind their phones. Yeah. And so if they're curious about something, they can ask and not mm-hmm. feel like, they're telling the whole world, like, yeah, actually, I'm interested in knowing about this topic or that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you're, you're, you're spot on, though. Like, and, and even like taking the sobriety out of it, like, I've got two kids, I've got two boys, and like, I've already been thinking about like how we want to raise them and, and how we want them to understand their bodies and intimacy. And mm-hmm. there was just so much that I didn't even know. And I have so many shame stories from what I didn't know and then stumbled mm-hmm. into like, actual experiences. And when I when I think about having these conversations like you and I are having here, it's like, how can we pull back a little bit of the curtain so that people have fewer shame experiences? So there yes. is more joy in the world. So there is more happiness. So there is more physical pleasure because you know that's all the good stuff and that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. And if we want to talk about dopamine and all the things that we can replace alcohol with, that's a good one. But mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really important to talk about. So we'll, we'll add you to the pitch next time. We'll, we'll put you on our yeah, panel for that. I, I am in. I'm in. Beautiful. I love it. Well, man, I could talk about that forever, but we are Same. 
going to go over time if we keep doing that. So I want to get to one last question for you. Actually, I have two questions. First question, how did you come up with the name No Booze Babes? Um, With my sister, Sid, I think Sid actually ended up coming up with it. I was pitching to her like sober sisters because I was like, ooh, Mm -hmm. we're actual sisters. And then people like call their girlfriends who are also sober like sober sisters. Um, I think that name is actually taken. And then I wanted something that you know, didn't necessarily have sober in it. Like, of course it's in my bio and everything, but I know that not everyone calls themselves sober. I've been calling myself sober from the beginning. I mean, I could easily say, I just don't drink, you know, Mm -hmm. I think what held me back from calling myself sober and actually getting sober was I thought I had to like go to AA, thought I had to like Mm -hmm. be stumbling and bubbling on the street. Like, you know what I mean? It just, again, just all the negative stigma that are around sobriety. Um, so I think no booze babes is very approachable. It's like no mm. booze, whether that's like, I'm just doing dry January and I'm a no yeah. booze babe for that month, or mm-hmm. I'm sober curious. Like I just want, this is a judgment free place and it's a safe place for everyone. Even if people who are drink follow along, like I do yeah. not judge people for drinking. Like I want people to do what's best for them, but I also want them to know that if they're questioning their relationship with alcohol, you like mm. listen to that. And trust mm-hmm. yourself and listen to yourself, listen to what's best for you. And that life is beautiful without booze. It just is. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah. Final question. If your story were to be made into a book, what would it be titled? I mean, I think the obvious choice would be like no booze babe <laughs> or no booze babes um, or how like ditching the booze changed my life. I want to come up with something so good because I love like, <laughs> I love like a, Good quote. A quote or a yeah. Yeah, but I think it could just be No Booze Babes, the story of how Beautiful. being booze free changed my life. Beautiful. That's a great tagline. I think that that summarizes it beautifully. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, Shay, thank you so much for your time and for taking us down such fun rabbit holes. I I so appreciate many. where we've yeah, I appreciate where we've gone with this. I know our listeners are going to want to connect with you. How do they find you? What do you have going on in your world? I know you're busy with theater, but anything <laughs> happening with No Booze Babes? I mean, you can find me in, on Instagram at No Booze Babes. You can find me on TikTok. Um, honestly, right now, like I have the show coming up and I am kind of going to, I kind of stepped back. I've had some stuff go on in my personal life, um, kind of at the beginning of this year. And so I kind of try to practice what I preach and like take care of myself. Um, but I miss being as active as I used to be. Um, and there's a lot that I still want to do. Um, I just have to follow through. So we'll see more exciting things yes. to come. Meetups, merch, all that. I've been talking about it forever, but beautiful. Happen. Um, but yeah, no booze babes. Find me there. Make an Austin meetup happen in. I'm going to like manifest that into the world. Oh we'll like meet halfway between LA and New York City. And yes, we're going to manifest this. I want to come to Austin just like in general, but also there are so many amazing like sober people in Austin that I've connected with. So it is pretty weird. Yeah, we've got like an odd, we're very lucky. We've got quite a big sober circle in Austin. It's very strange, but good. It's surprising. But Jay, thank you so much for your story and for your time today. And I know that somebody needed to hear your sober story to be able to see themselves reflected in it and realize they have permission to make this choice if that is something they choose. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Shay is just one of those people that you have a conversation with and leave best friends, isn't she? I love her perspective on how this gets to be fun 
If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you took a second to rate and review Sober Stories wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us tell more stories, reach more people, change more lives, one good review at a time. And if you had a big aha moment from today's show, we'd love it if you shared it with us on social media. You can find us at We Are Sober Stories on most platforms. Tag us so we can hear your big takeaways and you never know when we'll send a little thank you. I also want to thank our team here at Sober Stories, Alexis Archuleta on the mixing and podcast genius side, Callie Williams is our community engagement lead, Daniela Marty for our graphic design, and every single person who has a hand in what we are building. Until next week, my friends.